Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. Are you looking for a great website that gives you history the way it was intended to be told? With no PC, no Marxism, no progressivism. Well, I've got it for you. It's LearnTrueHistory.com. That's LearnTrueHistory.com. Learn history from great professors who don't sugarcoat it for you. This is not for your delicate flowers. That's LearnTrueHistory.com. LearnTrueHistory.com. Com. This is The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. This is episode 47. So glad to have you back on the program. Glad you're with me today and we're doing this a little late, or I'm doing the program a little late. I uh, had a lot of things going on this week, so I'm recording this on Wednesday instead of Monday. And uh, hope you didn't miss me for a couple of days. Well, actually, I do hope you missed me for a couple of days. And you're wondering, what happened to McClanahan's podcast? Well, here it is, back with you, uh, just on a Wednesday instead of a Monday. So what I want to talk about today is actually something I, I wrote about last week, and it followed the um, Trump-Clinton debate. And... I know there's been a lot of coverage on the debate and who won, who didn't win. Of course, we had the idiotic vice presidential debate last night that I don't think anybody watched. Well, I think some people watched it, but turned it off very quickly. I know that uh, Tom Woods and Lou Rockwell watched it and suffered through it so they could do a podcast. So I'm not going to talk about that debate, though I will say this. Anyone watching that should be concerned about two elderly candidates. I mean, both Trump and Clinton are 70, and you've got— Tim Kaine, who is a complete clown, uh, that guy's a goofball. Can you imagine? I, I can't even imagine him being president of the United States. Uh, Pence was a little more polished. Uh, but still, you know, for the most part, you're getting generic uh, talking points from both candidates. And uh, I'll, I'll go over my voting guide for the 2016 election in a future podcast, probably either the next podcast or the one after that going into the election cycle. Also remember that if you have not read my book, Nine Presidents Who Screwed Up America and Four Who Tried to Save Her, you need to read that before you go vote in 2016, um, just because it's a good primer on what we should be looking for in the president of the United States. And um, it makes a great gift, too. Christmas is coming up. You got that. Of course, you've got my free class on that through LearnTrue, T-R-U-E, history.com. Or you can uh, look for that. Uh, Tom Woods is offering that class for free. But if you go to learntruehistory.com, you can get that class along with uh, the course I teach on the Constitution and U.S. history and a whole bunch of other great stuff from really good professors, as I talk about before this podcast even starts. So uh, head on over there and get that, too. But let's talk about the issue that I think is very important, and it's a, it's a really pressing issue moving forward for those that believe in liberty and independence, and limited government, and these things that everyone that listens to this podcast generally believes in. And so when I was writing this piece last week, uh, it, it, it was uh, appeared on townhall.com uh, on September 28th, so it's, it's um, you know, last, uh, last Wednesday. Uh, I was thinking when I was writing this, you know, this should be obvious what I'm saying here to anybody listening to the, to, uh, the debate. And that is the proclivity of our politicians to pander. And so I'm writing this piece, and I'm thinking, you know, Trump could have nailed Hillary Clinton on this. He really could have just 
nailed her to the wall. He was thrown a couple of slow-pitch softballs, and he could have just hit him out of the park. And he didn't. And one of the things that I noticed when I was watching the debate was when this issue turned to race in America, and they started talking about, you know, well, what can you do to heal race relations in America? And Trump said, well, you know, we need law and order because we're going to uh, have to try to control crime in the inner cities. We're going to have to control... uh, you know, situations where you have hardworking uh, minority groups that are being that can't succeed because they're always concerned about safety. And this is true. If you look back through history, any group that's concerned about safety more than anything else is going to have a hard time advancing because they're, they're so worried about just surviving on a day-to-day basis. Or it's very hard to have a positive outlook when you have crime all around you and, and poverty and depression. Those are hard things to confront. Now, of course, um, Clinton then started pandering. Well, Donald, uh, you know, it's really unfortunate, she said, that uh, he paints such a dire negative picture of black communities in our country. The vibrancy of the black church, the black businesses that employ so many people, the opportunities that so many families are working to provide for their kids, that's a lot that we should be proud of and what that we should be supporting and lifting up. And, of course, uh, Trump sighed visibly. He, w- he was really irritated by this. One thing that a lot of people don't realize is that you know a lot of uh, black Americans don't live in inner cities. Of course, they live there's a there's a mass migra- mass migration back to the south from urban areas in the north, and uh, you do have uh, larger and larger black communities in the south. Uh, now, when you look at the most segregated places in the United States, they are in the north. So Clinton's pandering though, and then it only gets worse. It only gets worse. Uh, She said, we have to come forward with a plan that is going to divert people from the criminal justice system and eliminate mandatory minimum sentencing. And, of course, this is exactly, as as I said in this piece, this is going back to the 1990s and when her husband was president and uh, policies there that failed. But when I I started thinking about this, and in this piece I started talking about S.B. Fuller, who was uh, a black American who had a company— um, uh, and he, uh, wanted to build himself up, pull himself up by his bootstraps rather than, uh, you know, have somebody give it to him. And so I really started, you know, promoting S.B. Fuller. And of course I wrote about S.B. Fuller in my politically incorrect guide to real American heroes. And, uh, I thought that, you know, this would, this is a great opportunity for an example. Trump could have hit it out of the park with this. He could have said, you know what? You're right. Uh, let's talk about healing race relations, and let's talk about opportunity. What my programs, you know, what free markets, of course, we can debate how much, how interested Trump is in free markets or anything like that, but at least rhetorically, he could have given somebody something to say for opportunity. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I, w- I want jobs. I want opportunities. I want things in the inner city that the government does not provide, and how can we do that? Well, we can reduce regulations. We can make uh, trade easier. We can do things that uh, we can have a, a stronger dollar. We can do things that are going to help people. We can provide, you know, private industry can provide jobs for these people. We can have people who are entrepreneurs really get off the ground and get moving. And as I was doing this, I started thinking about, well, what does this say for the liberty movement in America? Because I think that's at the heart of what, when we talk about liberty and we talk about entrepreneurship and we talk about freedom and all these things that people that listen to this podcast, they really eat up. Yeah, I want that. I want those things. And I started thinking about human nature in that way. 
folks, we're the exception rather than the rule. Uh, most people don't want that. And I think that's the hardest sell for liberty moving forward. People say they want liberty. What they really want is just to be able to do whatever they want. But when you start talking about independence, which is different than liberty, independence is something else, and it's hard. Independence is extremely hard. Being an entrepreneur is extremely hard, and it takes a certain type of individual to do that. Yes, those people want liberty because they want to be able to follow their dreams. They want to be able to follow their initiative and their ambition and capitalize on those things and make money and secure a better future for themselves. There are people that want that. doesn't matter what group you're talking about, what race, religion. It doesn't matter. There are people in every group in society all over the world that want that thing. That. And that's what we, of course, capture when you start talking about liberty. Those people gravitate to that. Yeah, I want to talk to people who are just like me. They want to be successful. They want to start businesses. They want to go out and work 12, 14, 16 hours a day to be successful and capitalize on their talents. But you have to understand, I think, at the end of this, this is why socialism is so seductive. And it's why uh, you know, people that believe in the state can capitalize on what Hillary Clinton is doing here and pandering because I really believe the majority of the population does not believe that way. And so we have to try to sell liberty in a different way. What you have to do is actually change a culture. And that's a difficult process. It's something that can be done, but it is a difficult process, and, it, and it's an uphill climb. I think particularly in America as people become more and more decadent. You saw this throughout different civilizations. Uh, today in, in, uh, in my classes I was talking about Rome and how the old Roman citizen, what he was before he became decadent and how important that was. And if you compare that, say, to the founding generation in America or really the generation of Americans all the way up through the, about the middle of the 19th century, the reason you had, for example, in the South, people willing to go fight for independence is because it was real to them. They weren't dependent on anything but themselves. Now imagine that today, how many Americans are actually independent. It's a very small number of people for a variety of reasons. We have developed a much more service-oriented economy where we don't know how to grow our own food or uh, you know, make our own clothes or make our own soap and all these different kind of things that people back in the 19th century just did. They took it for granted. So when you become much more decadent and beholden to technology and other people to do things for you, that makes liberty and independence a little bit harder sell. So how do you do it? You can talk about S.B. Fuller till the cows come home. You can talk about all these great entrepreneurs. You can look at all the great captains of industry. You can look at people who are agriculturalists and were very independent and lived independent lives. Nathaniel Macon from North Carolina, who checked his mail one time a month because he lived on his plantation, which he called his country. He didn't need to go anywhere. He had his chapel there. He grew all the food he needed. They made all the clothes, everything, right there on the plantation for he and all the people that lived on the plantation. He was a slave owner. But all the people there were, were uh, supported by the products that came out of that plantation. And that was the whole idea. So how do you break this dependency that we have? Some of it's tied into work. Many people just want to go work 
at a salary job and not have to, I mean, there is security in that. You don't have to go out and be independent and hustle your money and do all those other kind of things. That's hard work. Or maybe you just want to get comfortable in a job and you have a lot more free time. And these are very attractive, seductive things. I just want to be able to watch the ball game. I want to be able to go on a vacation here and there. I want to be able to sit down and watch uh, my television show at night. I want to watch uh, whatever show you're, you're... I want to watch The Walking Dead tonight. And I, don't, I want to be left alone. Eat my, eat my meal. Just have leisure. So... If you are trying to hustle your income all the time, that becomes much more challenging, particularly until you've actually made it and you can have a, a nice flow of revenue for whatever business or enterprise you're involved in. But it takes a lot of work to get there, and very few people are cut out for that. There are a lot. I say very few. I mean, as far as percentage of the population, there are a lot of people who believe in this. There's millions of people who believe in this. But there are more that don't, that would just prefer to be taken care of. And I think that's more human nature than anything else. So when you start seeing politicians pander, well, these are the things I'm going to give you. That's a natural inclination to say, yeah, I, I want somebody to give me something. Uh, I, you know, whatever it is. I want a job. I want uh, health care. I want uh, retirement. I want unemployment insurance. I want uh, whatever. I want a cell phone. I want somebody to take care of my mortgage. I want somebody to wipe out my student loans. I want something from the government because it would make my life easier. So you have a very hard task of selling liberty. It's not just, who's going to build the roads? You know, this is what you often hear. Well, you guys out there, you libertarians, and you people that believe in limited government, well, who's going to build the roads? And uh, not just that, when I retire, who's going to give me my Social Security? You know, I got to have those things. So you got that. You're going to confront that. And those are, those are honestly uh, poignant questions because it is something that as people have been conditioned to, or who's going to educate my kids? I send them to school. Who's, who's going to pay for the schools? Are we not going to have this, this libertarian society? Where, who's going to have all these things? And, of course, libertarians often say, well, then you have to take care of it yourself. Well, for most people, that is not a good answer because they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. They want to polish their nails and eat their steak and drink their six-pack and watch their TV and uh, you know go to their ball game. They don't want to do those hard things. That's hard. So the question becomes, how do you sell these things to people? And I think in some ways, there, there isn't a, a great answer. Uh for those who are driven by ambition or enterprise, those who are what the founding generation called the natural aristocracy, those who have natural talent, and they can see, well, if I can do this, if I can do, if I can go in my in this direction for, for what my vision is, I can make money, and I'm willing to take that risk, and I'm willing to try. There are those who would do that, but then there are those who don't want to, and they would rather be taken care of. So I think the best way, and it's one way that I tell my students, everyone in here, and I have a lot of, of students who don't show a lot of ambition. Um, uh, a lot of my students come from, uh, you know, dependent backgrounds, and they're on heavy financial aid. And so it's hard for them to see because they've been in a situation where their entire life, their family life, everything is dependent 
They're dependent. And so how do you sell it to them? Well, and, and the other thing about American society is that we tear down initiative now. That guy makes a million dollars a year? Well, I hate him. That guy is a great athlete? Well, he's awful. That guy has talent? Well, I want to tear that down. We do this all through the public education system. I think this is indicative of democracy in general and how dangerous that has become. The leveling aspect of democracy now is, is pressing on people to where they don't want to be better because that makes them step out of line. You get out of the herd. And that's, that's hard to do for a lot of people. They don't want to be the exception. People, people talk about them, and they make fun of them. They'll do something. They get, they get attacked. I mean, how many times has anybody, like for me, uh, you know, Tom Woods, Kevin Goodsman, Clyde Wilson, people that I know, they're attacked mercilessly. That's a hard thing to swallow sometimes. People are ruthless. And it's, it's hard. I mean, it's, nobody wants to be attacked all the time. Nobody wants to be called the worst man in America. But it happens as you step out. If you become a successful businessman, you're going to be attacked for being a rich guy or a rich girl that has a silver spoon, and they should pay more of their fair share. And what they're doing is awful. They're ruining things. They're, they're making money on the backs of other people. So how do you break that? Well, you start talking about talent. Because everybody firmly believes at their core that they are good at something. Everyone believes that. Well, I'm good at this. I can do that. So you start building on that natural desire for them to showcase their talent in some way or another. And how could they capitalize on that? And wouldn't it be great if they could make money on their talent? Now, I think we focus too much attention in America on athletics and artistic talent, you know, music, for example. And that's great stuff. And we all like to be entertained in that way. I love music. Uh, a, a, a professional athlete who is at the top of their game is an impressive thing to watch because I can't do those things. So it's interesting. But what we don't often promote is the person that is so smart that uh, you are just amazed by the things they can do because we try to tear those people down. And what we don't often promote is the businessman that can go out and has an idea that could just change the world or more or less even change their own community, provide a service that nobody else can do. And be successful at it. We don't. We start trying to tear that down. Oh, that person, they, they have too much money. So we need to start focusing on talent for people. What is your talent? What could you give? What talent do you have that could provide something for your local community? Just think locally and act locally. What could you do that could provide something for your local community that would make your community better and that you could make money doing? I don't fault a man or a woman that's good at uh, working with their hands and that can come fix my air conditioner and they make good money doing it, great for them. I don't want to do that job. I don't want to crawl around in an attic trying to put in duct work. I don't want to do that. And if they can make money doing that, great for them. And I want them to make as much money as they can because that provides independence for them. And once they start getting a taste of that independence, they don't want somebody taking their money in taxes. They don't want somebody infringing on that independence that they're building themselves through their own hard work. Or the person that can uh, you know, lay bricks in a way that nobody else can do, build houses, fix plumbing, do these things that, my gosh, I can't do. I'm not skilled that way. 
And, but my talent is doing something else. So this is the think locally, act locally thing. How can you provide? How can you provide some independence? And how can you work on that? And part of that, of course, is understanding how to manage your finances properly. And part of it's understanding how the dollar is being ruined. There is some education involved in this. But that's where you have to get them. Get them in on their talent and say, hey, look, don't you have a talent? Would you like that talent to make you money? And if you're making money, if you're becoming independent, would you want somebody to take that from you? Because if you're saying you want people to give you something, then you're saying you don't want to maximize on your talent or you're saying you have no talent and that you cannot do this on your own. And I think that is the way to entice people to want independence and liberty because it allows them to maximize their talent. Maybe they'll only have one. Somebody might have three or four. And there is going to be a natural inequality in that. And that's something you have to explain to people. Look, there are people that are prettier than other people. There are people that are more athletic than other people. There are people that are smarter than other people. But you know what? There are people that have a talent in, in uh, you know, uh, artistic ways. I mean, I just mentioned, you know, singing. There's people that are better than that than others. And you have to be able to maximize that. There's people that are better writers. There's people that are good with their hands. Everyone has a talent. Everyone has a, a role. And you can maximize that talent and make money if you just stop believing that someone has to give you something. You have to believe in yourself. Now, Americans do lead the world in self-confidence. We believe we're great. And that I should have everything that the rich guy has. At the but at the end of the day, I don't know if they necessarily believe that to their core because they're not maximizing their talent. To say that rich guy is just like me is a, is, is a fallacy. No, they've been able to maximize a talent or do something that got them there that I didn't do. And maybe it's a talent I don't have. And while we might criticize it, well, that's disgusting that that person makes uh, you know $10 million a year. Good for them. Good for them. Because... I want to have the opportunities where if my talent could produce that kind of wealth, I would want to do that for myself. And if your talent could do that for you, I'd want that for you. Because that produces a vibrant economy. And that produces an independent people who can say at the end of the day, you know what? I don't need the government to give me something. I can do it myself. So Trump's message should be economic opportunity, but what he should be saying in that way is, I believe every single person in America has a talent. I don't care who they are, black, white, red, yellow. I don't care who they are, what their background is, what their religion is. I believe these people have talent, and I want to help them maximize that talent by reducing regulation and making it easier for you to achieve success. And in that way, I'm selling liberty and independence. And if you can do that, those questions are, who's going to build the roads? You know who's going to build the roads? Somebody that has a talent initiative, do it. And maybe there are some things that we might want uh, a government in a local setting to do. Because I, I'm not going to go out and pave a road. But maybe there's, somebody that, well, there's companies that do this. That's their talent. And so they should be compensated for that. Somebody would do these things, and they would be compensated for it. Somebody would build better roads than another person. Somebody would build better bridges than another person. Somebody builds better rockets than another person. Or who's going to take care of my Social Security? If you've got enough money, you don't need it. If you learn how to maximize your talent, now this doesn't mean everybody's going to be rich, but people could be comfortable. 
if you allow talent to rise to the top. Everyone's got a talent. Maybe your talent's not going to make you a millionaire. But maybe your talent can make you successful in your own way. And if you learned how to manage your money properly, and if you had a vibrant economy with lower taxes, a stronger dollar and less regulation, your dollar would go farther. So these are things that we need to be saying to people, not pandering. And the second we can start selling that message to every community in America, whether it's the African-American community, the Hispanic community, the white community, the Christian community, the Jewish community, take your pick, whatever community it is, the southern community, the northern community, the blue-collar, the white-collar, whatever it is, people need to hear you have talent and what we can do is help you maximize that by giving you more opportunity. You have to take that yourself. But don't you want to do that? Now, some people won't take you up on that, and they can be the ones to be pandered to, but I, think, I do think that message would appeal to the majority of Americans and the majority of people in the world. They just want opportunity. They just want to be able to break out of what they have. And it's not by giving free stuff. Or it's by maximizing the talent that you do have. So from here on out, if anyone asks you, well, what are you going to, how, uh, liberty, yeah, that, that's great. Uh, what about all the poor people? Well, you know, I, we can make those people richer if they just had jobs and opportunity. Poor people want to succeed too. Some of those poor people are intelligent. Some of those poor people have talent. Let's maximize that talent. Let's tell them, let's find out what they've got, and let's let them run with it. Instead of pushing them down and saying, you're poor, and we're just going to give you stuff. It's, I mean, look, some people are, 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 there's no hope. But I think the majority of people would buy into that and want it. But it is a cultural change. But it's a culture that used to be here in America for a long time, that was the opportunity. America was the land of opportunity, and people wanted that. And they saw it more than anything else. What we become is the land of regulation and taxes and pandering. We become the country of pandering. And so that has to change. I'll see you next time on The Brian McClanahan Show. <laughs>